We are going to take a break from our parable series this morning. Um, for those of you that are watching online and may not be aware of it, we had a uh, tragedy in our church family this past week. Uh, young family, uh, there was a farm accident and their eight-year-old daughter uh, went home to be with the Lord. So as a church family, we're working through being able to minister to them. And what I wanted to do this morning um, is I wanted to just take a few moments today to talk about some Bible principles of how do we handle difficult times. How do we handle times of loss? How do we handle times of tragedy or times of heartache, times of sorrow? Um, how do we handle uh, times when we just don't have answers? And there's nothing, uh, no formula that works. There's just some principles that I want to share with you from the Word of God to walk through this on how we help uh, Tyler and Lindsay and Hunter and how we help one another how we help friends who go through times like this. Uh, during time like this, I just talked to our church family about the idea I couldn't be more proud to be a part of, of, of this group and the way everybody has come together to help and do whatever needs to happen um, in this story. And um, so I just wanted to share a couple of principles, uh, actually four of them from the Bible, that I think help, or at least help me, to kind of refocus some things during times like this. So the first principle is this idea of you have to be honest with yourself about what's going on. Um, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5. Here's what he says. Blessed are those who mourn. Ironically, the word blessed means happy. Psalm 34, he said, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. One of the things that when we go through tough times is we, we have to learn to be honest about where we are and what's happening and what's going on. Um, we're, we're in a culture that minimizes feeling and emotion, particularly the rural agrarian world. Um, we're taught that Real men don't cry. Well, then I was a wimpy guy all week. Um, because what you learn is real men do cry. Uh, we're told that uh, to show emotion uh, is, is a sign of weakness. Well, in that case, Jesus Christ was weak. Because the Bible records situations where he cried. Um, one of the things that you have to, and I'm not saying that you have to cry in order to mourn, but when you start saying, I can't do this because I'm a guy or I'm a, I'm, I'm a girl or because people will see me as weak or because of this, then you're, you're missing something here. One of the hardest things that I learned as a pastor, and I learned it early in my ministry, was that if I don't find a way to mourn, if I don't find a way to process grief, if I don't find a way to work through the process for me, that I implode. And so one of the things that I have learned is that 
when I deal with the, with the loss of someone who is close to me, I have to figure out ways to process that for that person. So for me, every situation is different. There's no formula. There's no right or wrong way where you have to do this or you should process grief within a short amount of time. The, the, the biggest thing is the danger sign of how you're not doing it in a healthy way. When you start processing it in an unhealthy way, then you need to change some things. But here's the thing. If you don't process it, ultimately it will manifest itself in unhealthy things. And I've watched people when they either process it in a wrong way or they, 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 they fail to process it or they fail to mourn or they fail to deal with the grief. And all of a sudden, they're, you know, I've, I've watched people go into spending, crazy spending habits. And then all of a sudden now they have to deal with the issue of debt. And, and, and so their difficulty just got even more difficult. Or watch people who say, who turn to substance abuse. Whether it's, whether it's drugs or alcohol or whatever else or medication or food or whatever else, they turn to something to self-medicate that way. And then they spiral in and they set this whole other set of, of issues now. And it goes back to one of the reasons is because they didn't process it in a healthy way. And one of the things that has to happen is you have to figure out ways to process it. To those of you that are in fields where um, you have a front row seat to human tragedy, I can't stress enough how important this is. Those of you that are healthcare workers, or those of you that are uh, working in a hospice situation, or those of you that are on first responders, or uh, in, in police departments or fire departments or those guys, I can't stress to you how important this is. I went into the ministry not understanding the importance of this. And so for the first couple of times, when there were funerals that really hit close at home to, close to home to me, I just bottled it all up. And it wasn't healthy. You know, I found myself getting short with my family, getting angry, and processing. And I started to realize that. And so, my journey in this thing was: I started, I, 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 I would start this, and then when somebody else would pass away, I'd do the same thing. And I found out, you know, for this situation, it was different. That didn't, that didn't help me process it for that. And I started to figure out that, you know what, I had to find. Ways, unique ways to process some of that. Not, not to forget the person, but to bring some closure to it. Unfortunately, this isn't my first funeral of a child. Um, I have been in ministry for about, I don't know, 10 years before I had the first funeral of a teenager. And it hit hard. Senior year, we had the funeral on Christmas Eve. My solution was to bottle it all up. I'm the pastor. And I finally realized if we got through the service and we got past all the stuff, and I, I started to realize this is just, this is eating away at me. And I never forget, I, I looked at my wife one day, and we got two little kids at the house, and I said, honey, I said, you have to leave the house and give me four or five hours by myself. 
I went down and pulled out a bunch of stained glass. I hadn't touched stained glass for years. We sat down at my dining room table, and I built a 3D stained glass deal of the church building. If you walk into my office today, it sits on the top shelf. It's a reminder of Mindy's life, and it's a reminder of me processing that. Because I realized I had to do something about it. It was, too, it was just too much, too much. One of the hard things about being a pastor in the same place for a long period of time, I know one of the reasons, by the way, that, that may, some mainline denominations move people out, move pastors out every five or six years. Because in those situations, you're always burying strangers. I bury close, dear friends now. In some cases, people I've had relationship with for 30 years or longer. If I don't figure out ways to process grief for myself, I'm going to implode. And you will too. Because Scripture says when we mourn, when we learn to grieve, when we learn to work through the process, and I have found for me, maybe you can come up with a formula. I can't. I have to find something different. I've already figured out what I'm going to try for hope. And I already know what I'm going to try to do to help me process Hopi's death this week. And I'll do it, and it might work, and it might not. And if it doesn't work, I'll go to something else. But I will figure it out. Why? Because blessed are those that mourn. God draws close to those who are brokenhearted. Second idea is this. It's this idea of, of helping one another. Galatians chapter 6, here's what it says. Carry each other's burdens, and in this you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Then three verses later, he says, carry your own stuff. Now you're going, okay, now wait a minute. It looks like they contradict each other, and it does. In the English language, it looks like we contradict each other. So let me walk you through what he's saying. Carry your own stuff. Bear your own load. There are certain things in life that are normal. Just suck it up and get over it and do it. You know how hard it is, Pastor, to go to work on Monday morning because it is just so tough for me. Suck it up. Get over it. Go to work. Have a good attitude. Pastor, you got to pray for me because it's just so hard. No. Just go do it, because the rest of the world is doing it. People go to work. People have difficult situations at work. People have a tough time at work. People hate Mondays. Get over it. Carry your own stuff. That's literally what he's saying. He's saying, look, there's normal, everyday stuff of life that everyone has to deal with. Deal with your own stuff. Don't expect other people, well, you know, I, you know, you know, I'm going to stay on unemployment because I can make more money on unemployment than I can going to work. No, go to work. Why? Because you should be carrying your own stuff, not letting somebody else carry it for you. If, if, if you're on disability, if you can't work, that's a different ballgame. But if you're a healthy person and you can go to work, in fact, the Bible is so specific. The Bible is so explicit about this. You know what it says? 
you shouldn't even have, you shouldn't even eat. That's what he says. Scripture pretty clear. If a man can't, a man doesn't work, then don't let him eat. Is he talking about like people who can't? No, no, he's talking, he's not talking about people who can work. He's talking about people who can't, who, uh, he's not talking about people who can't work. He's talking about people who can work. Carry your own stuff. That's what he's saying. But at the beginning, he says, bear one another's burdens. That's a whole different word. What that word means is that sometimes in life, or in some situations in life, God allows something into your life that is outside the norm of life. It's way outside the bonds of what most people have to deal with. Those of you who've lost a spouse, that's outside the norm of most people who have a spouse or or, or, who's still around. The loss of a child, that's way outside the norm of life. My wife, you know, I have an incredible wife who there's no one better to know how to deal with me in situations like this. But she came home the other day and walked to my office and she goes, how was your day? You know, and I said, I've spent the day having discussions with people nobody should ever have to have. Because she knows how to deal with me. The burdens, when burdens come that are outside the norm, a terminal diagnosis or a diagnosis of cancer, and you're dealing with all of that, or or somebody, or a health issue, or you're, you're going along and you've got a job and everything's going good, and all of a sudden, for no reason, you end up losing your job. Listen, that's outside the norm for most people. That's where you and I as a church, we come alongside and we encourage and we help and we build up and we do what we can. In those situations, we bear one another's burdens. One of the things when we started this whole thing is I sat down with Troy and Lindsay and I said, listen, guys, I said, here's what's going to be one of the hardest things you're going to deal with this week. As I said, people don't know what to do. So people are going to do all kinds of things for you this week. And I said, the hardest thing for you is going to be able to accept it. I said, because there's something inside of us that doesn't like doing that, particularly in a rural agrarian culture. And I said, what I'm going to say to you is let them do it. And we've watched over and over again as people have done some incredible things to be able to help and minister to them. And, 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 and <laughs> when I'm there and, and they start to argue about it, I say, guys, let them do it. Let them do it. Why? Because it's like I told them, some of this burden that has been put on your shoulder this week, no one can carry for you. You're the only one that can carry it. But there's other stuff that other people can carry. So let them do it now. And there'll come a time that you can come alongside and try to carry some of their stuff. I want to challenge you with this idea because what happens is we, we forget. And so we get people who, who are like, okay, everybody's got to take care of me because they want everybody to bear their burdens. No, take care of your own stuff. 
when those extra things come into your life, when those, those difficult, heavy things that are outside the norm, let other people carry what they can carry. That's what, that's what Paul is saying to the church at Galatia. Third idea is this. It's just, it's, it doesn't um, surprise me. Cast all your care and anxiety on him because he cares for you. One of the things that you have to do in situations like this, you have to turn, you need to turn to the Lord. When this whole COVID thing started, I don't know if you remember it or not, but we are right in the middle of a series on be anxious for nothing. How to go through life and focus on God instead of worrying. And then God says, all right, pastor, let's just see how you live this out. Boom. And we went from a service like this to online in six days. And you're, and you're just sitting here going, okay, Lord, I know I'm not supposed to worry about it. I know I'm not supposed to, but it was a real struggle. It was a real growth thing. We had to figure out how to do a small group. We had to figure out how to do church. We had to figure out, had to figure out all that stuff out. One of the things that you have to do in difficulty and crisis and hardship and things like that is you have to learn to turn around and really look to the Lord and go, Lord, I really have to depend on you. I really have to learn, Lord, to walk with you through this. Jesus says something that, listen to this. Come unto me, all you who are late, weary and heavy burdened. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, let me walk with you through it, and it will be so much easier than you trying to do it yourself. Now, I'm going to get in trouble with this illustration. A, because I don't know what I'm talking about, and B, because I'm going to do something that's going to tick off half of you, and the other half are going to like it. But um, let's say I have a John Deere B. I told you I was going to get in trouble. And let's say I have 400 flat acres to plant, and I'm going to do it with my John Deere B. You're going, yeah, you really don't know what you're talking about. You ain't doing that with a John Deere B and still not and getting it all in the ground in time before it becomes a problem. Okay, Todd, what's that? What, what do you have? What's that, what's that thing with all the big tracks on it, the four tracks on it? It's a, it's a quad track, but what, who, who makes it? All right, so, so let's say Todd comes to me and he goes, hey, pastor, I got a quad track international and I will work with you, and I will run it, and I will help you plant. Now, I know this is where the illustration falls apart, because some of you are like, nope, no internationals ever getting on my ground, only going to be green tractors. You know, I, I get that, okay, but put that aside for a minute. How many of you would look at that situation knowing that Todd would help me plant, with his tractor that would take, how long would it take us to put 400 acres of, I don't know, something in corner beans? A day. That's why I picked it. All I knew was a great big tractor. It's got big tracks on it. That's all I know. <clears throat> um, and 
I say, no, I want to use my John Deere B. And everybody in the community starts talking. And they go, did you see that guy out there with the John Deere B? And you go, oh, wait a minute, there's more to the story. There's a guy who volunteered to help him plant with his international quad track, and he said no. And you would look at me, and you would go, are you insane? Let him go out there. It'll be done in a day. If you really want to run the John Deere B, go run it after he plants it. It makes no sense. It makes no sense for you to try to run your life when God says, I've got everything you need. Jump in the cab with me. We'll go through this together. That's what he's saying. When he says, my, because it's a farming illustration, my burden is how yoke, go together. Together we'll get this done. It's a farming illustration. And a modern day equivalent would be just what I told you. I'm out there going, oh, bless God, I'm going to do it with a John Deere B. And then I come halfway through planning and I don't have it all in and we're worried about the rain and we're worried about the weather and, and, and I planted early beans and these are, and, and now I'm, or early beans and I've missed all the windows and, and you'd look at me and you'd go, how silly. How dumb. You had the help. It was right there. And you decided you had to do it your way with your John Deere B. Why do we do that with our life? When you go through a crisis, when you go through difficulty, when you go through hardship, when you go through loss, when you go through those tragedies, it is so important that instead of turning away from the Lord, you turn to the Lord. And instead of keeping going on your own, you allow God to take that journey with you. What I am seeing this week is people who are deciding to take that journey with God. Which brings me to my last idea. And that's this. When you go through tragedy, when you go through hardship, when you go through loss, when you go through difficulty... The choices you make will determine not only your direction, but they'll ultimately determine your destination. It is so important when we go through those difficult times to stop and ask ourselves where we're focused. To realize that the choices we make. So in a situation like this, You've got a lot of questions. You've got a lot of, you've got a lot of ifs and whys and, and, and how come and what about this and what. There's all those kinds of things. If you allow Satan to turn you away from God, the ultimate direction of your life will go that way and your ultimate destination will end up that way. It is so important during times like that that we turn to the Lord. The thing that's been encouraging to me through this whole situation it's the constant discussions that we're having about this is what God's doing. This is how I'm seeing God at work. You can't believe God did this. You can't. God, and, and I'm seeing it over and over and over again. Sometimes you see that. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes there's a big master plan. Play. You don't see it until we get to the other side of eternity. But the focus has to be on the Lord. When Paul's in prison, he's about ready to die, actually. About ready to be executed. 
he writes to the church at Philippi. Here's what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, if you didn't hear it the first time, let's say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is right there. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. One of the things that will help you is for you to take that tragedy and situation and try to see, in the midst of that, things that you have to be grateful for. As difficult as this week has been, right or wrong, parents of young children, you've held them a lot more this week. Right or wrong, grandparents, you have valued and treasured the time that you have this week more than you did the week before. Right or wrong, you've prayed more in the last four days, in some cases, than you have in the last month. Right or wrong, you've spent more time thinking about somebody else this week than you. Where are you going to focus? When you start to focus on what God's doing, when you start to focus on things that you have to be grateful for, if you don't think Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon when Claire walked into my house. It was the same greeting that she got Tuesday. Why? Your focus changes. And as difficult as this week has been, If Troy and Lindsay could stand here this morning, they would tell you story after story after story of things they have watched God do in spite of how difficult the week has been. That needs to be the way we all respond to tragedy and difficulty and hardship. And so I end this morning with this. God reminds us that our faith will be tested. During times of testing, we've got to be honest about our struggles with with one another. We've got to continually make the decision to turn our focus and our attention to God, not away from God. It's only then that we'll experience the peace of God that will suppress anything you have ever, ever experienced before. Let's close in prayer. Father, thanks so much. For your word. At times, Lord, only the only comfort that we have. And Lord, at times it's hard to embrace it. It's hard to look at it. It's hard to make it a part of our life. But Lord, I just ask that you would help us to turn our attention and our focus onto you and what you are doing in each of our lives. Lord, for those that are struggling with grief, may they be honest with themselves. May they reach out to someone else. May they work through the process. Lord, may you help each of us to turn our attention towards you through all of this and that, Lord, we would walk close with you. And, Father, 
again, use us in a great way. And help us as we try to go forward, Lord, sticking close to you through the difficulties. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, Normally...